I'm here with uh, Tark Masidi in Philadelphia. Uh, of course, you know Tark Masidi as the founder of Celebrate Mercy. I know him uh, from a, uh, another life almost, it feels like, when we were a youth. And it's crazy to hear you say that we were 20 years out from the last time yeah, that more than 20 years ago yeah we first met. that was crazy so uh tark masidi is out here in philadelphia he's uh from knoxville tennessee which probably the only people you'll ever meet from tennessee are, is like this uh, tark masidi and <laughs> and some of his friends uh but uh, knoxville is a beautiful place which i've been to uh for one of the events at tark he's always been active so if you remember way back you had that masjid and you established uh what was it called way back sheikh yaqubi sheikh mohsin went or was scheduled to go. What were those Shifat retreats? Shifat retreats. Way yeah. back Shifat yeah, retreats. Yeah, yeah. That was like 2002. So Tariq uh, is a serial achiever, right? <laughs> those are those types of people, and uh, uh, Tariq's wife is here too. Would you describe him as a serial achiever? I agree with that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so tell us, let's start from the get-go. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that you, you did, which was a real big deal, uh, a big success, I should say, uh, was the fastathon, right? So tell us about that. Yeah, well, first of all, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Jazakallah khair, uh, Dr. Shetty. It's an honor to be here on the Safina Society podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, you, I consider you a mentor, mashallah. Um, and I, I'm definitely honored to be here. Um, the fastathon is something that grew out of our Muslim Student Association in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, it, uh, it was right after the 9-11 tragedy. I was president of the Muslim Student Association, and my roommate and I, uh, Sean Blevins, came up with this idea just two months after 9-11. We were trying to figure out ways to, you know, we, we knew we had an open window, a door that had opened where people are asking all sorts of questions about Muslims and Islam. Mm -hmm. And we decided, let's ask students on campus at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville to try fasting for a day. And for everyone that signs this form pledging to fast like Muslims fast, a local business will donate $2 to a local food pantry, which which was called the Love Kitchen in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And then we would all break fast at Maghrib as Muslims, non-Muslims together mm -hmm. at Maghrib time um, on campus. So the first year we had about 100 students who pledged to fast. Um, we called it the Ramadan Fastathon. Mm. Um, this was in November 2001, right after 9-11. And then we put together, our team at the MSA put together like a 40-page manual, including flyers, including press releases, like how to host the Fastathon on campus. We got help from MSA National who really helped scale it. Mm. And then within five years, the Fastathon spread to over 300 college and high school campuses nationwide. Mm. And um, there are some universities now that have gotten up to 2,000 people on a single day to wow. fast and break fast together. Um, you know, it, it came together, f like it came full circle for me many years later after I graduated um, grad school. I was working at Procter & Gamble as a supply chain manager. And this guy came up to me because I'd just written an email to my coworkers saying, Ramadan's about to start. I'll be, I might be in a bad mood sometimes, or I can't join some work meetings over lunch. This guy from Nebraska came up to me and he said, I know what Ramadan is. I just got your email because I did this thing at the University of Nebraska 
called the Fastathon. Wow, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's crazy. This was like years later, you know. And he said, "Have you heard of that?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Crazy. So Alhamdulillah, like now it's being done at Google, it's being done at Facebook. You're it's being kidding? Done, yeah, at Google at 14 headquarters, 14 offices worldwide. Google does an annual Fastathon every wow. year. They send me a shirt, that's like crazy. you know, of their Fastathon. It's it's so a lot of these MSA students became joined, you know, uh, professional life. They Whoa. became. Yeah, and so a lot of them took the fastathon to their workplaces. So you have a tree and a senate. Right? <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So yeah. what I find is uh, really good about it, and I don't know if you did this on purpose or, but the idea of shifting, when you're in trouble, when there's a, a something bad going on, the best thing is to distract and shift far. Take your activity, take action, go far away. And therapists talk about this all the time. They say like, if you're miserable in something, mm -hmm. you gotta put work into something that's far distant removed from you know whatever it is that's bothering you so i think it's also therapeutic for muslims to be involved in something you know positive something so different and unique especially after the uh, you know 9 11 it got so politicized everything was political mm -hmm. everything was security based and this thing comes like out of the blue yeah right i mean yeah. it's it's a unique idea it's an original idea and your temperament's always been really positive Right? And there are a lot of temperaments, probably mine included, which would be more uh, conflict oriented, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, engrossed in, 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 you know, making things right or justice or which, which, which leads sometimes to stress and, mm -hmm. and tension, right? Uh, um, but this year, this fastathon is really sort of a peril for things to come because you've always done other things that were every time there's a crisis through Celebrate Mercy, right? You've had these different other you know, events that were spin off away from the, the stressful news. Yeah. You know, taking advantage that there's attention to the stressful news and then doing something that's totally different. I, yeah, right. I feel like whenever there's a crisis, the, the, the response that I hear from people often is like, what can I do? You know, like, how can I help? Like, what can I do to help? What, yeah. you know, there, you have to channel anger, you have to channel grief or sadness into something uh, easy to implement, easy to do, something um, practical and, I would say something you know that that uh, is building bridges, not breaking things down. Like yeah. you know, I, I I feel like responding to evil with good is a central aspect of of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu And and I think that the beauty of the fastathon is is you know people break bread together at Maghrib. They watch Muslims pray. They hear the adhan. They're hearing short talks. You know, uh, we we had both Republicans and Democrats, people liberals and conservatives eating together, learning about Muslims and. I feel like the people who attended and fasted one day on their college campus today probably have a very different view of Islam oh, that's and Muslims. That's totally true. Yeah. And, and not only that, it, it's uh, when you do something positive, it's something that can last the test of time. That's yeah. the key. And when you do something that's sort of you know fitna-based, you're never winning. Yeah. You're losing either way. And it doesn't feel good at the end. Yeah. It, at the end, you get burnt out. But you never get burnt out from doing something positive, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Now, between Fastathon and Celebrate Mercy, you got into another business, right? <laughs> Which was getting involved in masjid boards and trying to fix, I would say, updating and getting these masjid to be relevant and up to date. Now, I know the word relevant tends to be abused or misused, in my opinion, mm. sometimes. Uh, relevant sometimes is used to mean talking about the issue that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, usually people mm -hmm. say, oh, it's not relevant, meaning he didn't talk about what you wanted him to talk about, right? Yeah. So sometimes that word gets a bit misused. But when I say relevance, I mean something that's uh, masjid programming and activity that's beneficial, that 
is of of the agenda of the prophets that I send them. Prophet had an agenda, right? He had an agenda for people's minds, bodies, hearts, economics, even. And it was the word agenda is not a bad word, right? It's a good word, right? It right. means you just have a plan, right? And probably I would have I would agree that uh, masajid were not always fulfilling this. So you can give them an excuse, all right? They established them. But you don't want to just establish something. You want to do it right. Exactly. And there are sometimes people who couldn't get it right. The world moved too fast. Mm-hmm. Right. If we, if they had migrated or immigrated, if they were immigrants, mostly they were immigrants, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the messages that you dealt with and I dealt with were yeah. immigrants. Mainly. Yeah. Um, if that migration was in 1860s uh, and 1870s, the world is slow. So mm. you, you catch up. But the 1960s and 70s and 80s, the world's moving too fast. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it requires, so you either need to be on top of things or you need new blood. So you saw the same things that a lot of people were seeing, but you took action. Yeah. Right? So you're an action-oriented guy, which is, uh, you know, that's my type of thing. Well, growing up, you know, the, the Rehla that we took in Fez, the program we worked together in, when I was, uh, I think I was 17. I don't know if you were 18 yet. When we attended the Rehla in Fez, I was I had turned eighteen a couple months before. Okay, yeah, so I was uh, I was almost eighteen, and that changed my whole outlook on what a masjid should be. On what you know, I felt like exposing just the the concept of the Jibril Hadith, you know, of of our Deen being almost like three dimensional or mind, heart, soul, uh, iman, Islam, ihsan, you know, all all these things um, that were. That I was exposed to in Fez, Morocco, I came back from that, you know, having just graduated high school, almost feeling gypped, you mm-hmm. know, by my local community. Like, why, why was I only exposed to the Islam side of things, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and I wasn't really taught theology or aqidah. I wasn't taught about this science of purifying the heart. That there are the, these things called diseases of the heart, and we we better work on them, or we're going to be in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the next life. Mm-hmm. Like, why weren't these things taught? Mm-hmm. Um, this whole idea of isnad, you know, chains of transmission, and madhahib, um, all, all these things that we were introduced to the Rahlan Fez, I came back on a mission, mm-hmm. really, to, to make our communities reflect what I had learned in Morocco a bit more, where where like people and young people were excited to go to the masjid and and to participate in dhikr and 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 they 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 actually viewed the masjid as a relief, mm. you know, as a relief or as a uh, as therapeutic. Yeah. You know, now we go to the masjid, people come away worse off leaving a mosque mm. than going in. Often, you know, it's not like a hospital for the souls. Um, so. I came back, you know, and that's when, you know, I joined the Muslim Student Association. We were doing things like the fastathon and other things. And one once grad, you know, I graduated from uh, the university, undergrad, um, I felt like the young people who had been exposed to these beautiful programs, beautiful teachers, um, that we should, you know, take control of the masjid. Like we should run for the board. We should mobilize people to vote for, for you know, for us, you know, with, who have this vision for the community. And we succeeded, alhamdulillah. It just took a couple of years. And um, and then our board was made up of six younger people and three of our elders who we, we easily worked with, you know, who, who were very youth-friendly and, and cooperative. And uh, alhamdulillah, like, we, um, we, we really uh, transformed many of the, the programs that happened at the masjid. We reformed the bylaws. I mean, I think it led to a healthier community. And some of those people are still leading um, in the community today. And later on, I moved to Cincinnati. We did a, a very similar project trying to get more 
uh, indigenous and young people on on the uh, on the masjid board. So, I, I you know actually I just recently learned that my last name Al Masidi is very likely comes from a Moroccan dialect. Uh, you know where where which is Al Masjidi. Oh know? really? With the, yeah, I mean that's what I hear. That's what I'm hearing is like Al Masid was Al Masjid. In uh, in Morocco, oh, very very likely that my last name means al masjidi. Makes sense. Coincidentally. So, now let's go back to when you first came back from the rahla. Now this rahla, if people don't know about it, in 1996, I believe. 98. It was 98. Yeah. But 96 was the first rahla mm. that they did in Nottingham, England. I think. That's what. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you're right. And nobody right. really, not many people, had heard about that in America, right? Then 97. I don't know what they did in 97. 98. It was Nazim Baksh. Who was really a general? He's a general. Oh yeah, right? yeah, I was scared of him. I was totally scared of him. But <laughs> if I did things, I would do things his way. I would probably he was he would come off maybe as condescending sometimes, right? Uh, he's in BBC. He's working in the back. Uh, he's a producer. CBC. Yeah. CBC. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but he is a type of organizer. You know exactly where he stands, right? It's things are black and white. I love this type of thing. I feel like the things in under control. Yes. Right. Yes. And I like to. I like the feeling that things are under control. Right. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and not chaotic. But ninety eight, they chose to do Fez Morocco, which was uh, an ambitious trip. It was cheap. Like Fez at the time was cheap, so it was a great deal. A mm-hmm. thousand. Remember, we paid a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. It for was the very, ticket, it was and very cheap. Thirty days of three meals a day. Uh, you're living in this um, dorm of, of an ancient school. That school must have been what, 500 years old? That building, yeah, right, 600 years old. I remember. Do, do you remember? You weren't there the first night. The first night. See, this building is. You walk into the city of Morocco and it has these doors. The old city of Fez. Mm. You you walk into the gate very quickly on the left of something called Bab Gisa is uh, a building. You go into this building. It's a beautiful little. Um, tiled rectangular musalla area with a fountain in the middle and then along one wall maybe 25 rooms maybe 20 rooms and then five rooms along the other edge and then 20 rooms again and then kitchens and bathrooms in the corners then you had upstairs you had the same thing and then you had a balcony overlooking all that Mm -hmm. and all the doors were like dome doors rounded doors you really felt you're going into a time machine yeah right there's no ac right no ac and no hot water either right right. and no toilets so so you had squat toilets yep that was my first time uh, experiencing the squat toilets my ankles were just like swollen on the first (laughs) day so but the the first thing that we did is that this place was not running for a long time Right, so they ran the water for a while to get the rust out of the piping. That's the wow. first thing. Right, second thing they did was that we, we there were ro- roaches everywhere, cockroaches. Right, so we went out downstairs. There was a little dukan, like a little um, you know guy selling stuff, supplies, and someone got this brilliant idea. Let's just buy toothpaste. Right, and we bought a whole bunch of toothpaste and we started filling the holes in the building with with toothpaste so that the roaches can't come out anymore. Wow. Right? I remember literally the first night. Uh, spent there was all I could think about was these roaches, right? And these cockroaches. And the only way I could sleep was to psych myself out that to think what is the worst thing that could happen with a cockroach because I couldn't sleep, mm. right? The worst thing that could happen is it's going to crawl on you. All right, if it crawls on you, you're really upset. But why are you upset? Because we have holes in our bodies, right? You don't want the cockroach going inside of you. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, where are the holes? In your body, you got your ears, 
your mouth, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to psychologize this thing <laughs> wow. to, to, to narrow it down to the least possible thing, right? And the least possible thing is to try to make sure all your orifices are blocked, right? Wow. That's how bad it was. I, I had it well because I was actually in a nicer apartment in the, in the first week yeah. or so. And then I moved to the dorms, I think, after you fixed this problem. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We, had, we fixed it on the second or third day. Someone came up with this brilliant idea, fill it all the holes with, uh, instead of going around with flip-flops, killing them, well, where are they coming from? They're mm. coming from holes in the building. So, But it, that trip and that first few days really made me realize like i'm pathetic i'm 17 i'm pathetic you're this little cockroach is bothering you right Mm. and then i remember one night coming back late at night maybe we come around and like uh, for 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 that city is late at night it's like 10 p.m everything shuts down and i thought well like let me go down for a snack right you go down there's nothing open right Mm. and i'm like literally internally about to have a tantrum that i can't get a a soda i couldn't get water i couldn't get a, uh any chips yeah, or anything. first world problems right first or- and i was like oh my gosh you better wake up this is pathetic right <laughs> and that's when i started to really realize when you start seeing the world you got to strengthen up right you got to like this is ridiculous this suburban thing has destroyed you so from that time i was always into uh finding rough uh environments mm. so when i was in dc i would i would go to the hard part of dc and walk by myself at night right Almost like asking for trouble, but I wanted to 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 have rough edges, right? I didn't like this idea that a cockroach is bothering you. Um, nothing is open. You at just realize how sheltered you had been your whole life. So sheltered and so soft, mm-hmm. right? So I hated that. But in any event, back to the rehla. So we stayed in that place, uh, um, and then that trip. Sheikh Hamza or was the obviously he's the sheikh, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the sheikh of the whole trip. The Moroccans were involved. And there was uh, Sidi Muhammad al-Tawid, who was uh, a, 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 a veteran Maliki scholar. Sheikh Abdul Hayyad Imriti, great in Arabic. Yeah, he was the I Arabic remember teacher, those classes. Right? Amazing. The, so they were, they, we had three sessions in the morning, three sessions at night. Same thing. Uh, Arabic, Tajweed, Fiqh. Arabic, Tajweed, Fiqh. Mm. And then we had a break in the middle. And then at night, there was some Musamara over the light dinner, where some Munchids would talk. Sometimes Sheikh Hamza would talk. Uh, Sheikh Hamza was on fire at that period of time. Yeah, no he doubt, was no just doubt. on fire. And he be great people. Like it, you, you looked that up on YouTube. Yeah, that that was a seminal moment for me. That, that speech. That was a speech. He only gave that speech like five days in. You know that because people were dropping like flies. Yeah, they're going back home. Yeah, one one dude. Uh, he told me he'd never been outside of his block in Chicago. Wow. And I'm like, and you're coming to this city, right? <laughs> right. Fez, Morocco. I mean, he's never, and he was old convert. He was like 45, right? Wow. And he had converted to Islam, and then he had never been outside his block in Chicago. And this, it, the heat was something else, right? So he was upset. Sheikh Hamza was upset. He, people were not taking this seriously. They were whining and complaining. And that's one of the reasons, things I loved about Sheikh Hamza. The first lesson he gave is, I don't want to hear any whining and complaining yeah right yeah that type of that that's one of the lessons that to me is a foundational character don't complain that it was right after that speech he gave that's when i decided to to leave the fancy apartment i was in in Mm -hmm. fez and move to the dorms you know that same night i just packed my bags everyone was like where are you going i said like i want to be a great person you know (laughs) and um and moved to the dorms and uh and everything changed for me at that point it was funny because like two days later shikham's actually said if you're late to class any more classes if you're late we're sending you back home you know and i accidentally overslept in the dorms like two nights later 
uh, showed up in the morning, and I was at the mercy of Nazem Baksh. I had to go walk up to him. Which and is I, not much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to apologize, and I said, I'm really sorry. Please don't send me back to the U.S. Please, I, I want to be here. And he showed mercy. I told him, like, if you had not shown mercy to me, I probably would have started, like, celebrate wrath, you know, <laughs> later later in life, you know. That's funny. So a lot of people came out of that. The T.A. was Sheikh Abdullah bin Hamid Ali, if you remember that. That's right. He was that's a right. T.A. Uh, Abdul Rahim, I can't remember, from Liverpool was a T.A., Mm, yeah, Abdul yeah, Rahim from Liverpool. Last name. I can't remember his last name, subhanAllah. Yeah. But he's, uh, he was in University of Medina, went to Mauritania, and stopped on the way in Morocco. A lot of people came out of that rihla. Yeah, Imam Anwar Muhaymen yeah. from he Philly was, a teacher was there, there yeah. Sheikh Jamal Zahabi. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was where we. Now, how do we get to talking about that rihla? Well, masjids today, like what, what I was exposed oh, yes. to in Fez versus yes. what kids are exposed to now. It's harder now when you're going to Masjid. That they don't have professionals. Mm. Like, uh, like it's understandable to, for me to be upset because this is like my field, right? Whereas if it's a doctor or an engineer, or for doctors and engineers, always get you know we sort of slam them when it comes to massage and they don't deserve that. But in general, a non-professional, someone who hasn't studied, someone who hasn't even been around the block, yeah, I'm sure that they were totally flustered by what you were saying because they don't have an answer. I could answer. Yeah, I could say, look. Uh, this is what this is our program, blah, blah blah. But they probably were very flustered. So that's I'm curious how they reacted when you came back and you got all these ideas. Yeah, which they're raw because you only got a month in, right? Yeah. So you you probably haven't you know fully developed your own ideas, but you have something that is more substantive than what they're offering. Yeah, I, I think there is this post dean intensive you know uh, syndrome or. There, there, there's like these disclaimers, you know, on these pharma commercials, they, they list all these disclaimers, you know, at the end. If you, you know, if you, if you experience headaches or that, you know, like once a lot of young people, when they would return from these programs, um, often were condescending even to their own parents. Like, you know, do you even know the fara'id of wudu? And like, you know, do, do you know, like, do you even know how to make wudu properly? And like, you know, this and that. And I think that was often a problem. But I do think. One of the great things that came out of those programs is so many people, especially at that Rehla and Fez, but other pro- similar programs, they actually planted the seeds for our imams and the scholars we have today. You know, people like yourself and others who who decided to, to change course and dedicate their lives to serving this deen, to serving Allah, serving the Prophet Um, That was a beautiful thing that came out of it. And, and like, you know, becoming taking their deen more seriously. Um, I think it's natural when you go to a program like this and you you're exposed to the dean in a way that you never knew just how beautiful and how rich the tradition is. Um, you, you do feel gypped, you feel angry, and you want to share that with others. Sometimes young people have a little bit too much Hamas and whatnot, like they they come back a little too energetic or too condescending. Um, but I think it balances out in the end. I think that a lot of us came back with a condescending attitude because I think that Sheikh Hamza himself was annoyed. By the status of things in America, right, right? Right. Like here, he's someone who is extremely intelligent, has a strong willpower, unstoppable will. If he wants to do something, it's getting done. Um, his analysis of things was just is really quick, mm-hmm. right? And he's looking at the American scene and he's like, "This is a joke. This is ridiculous. What's going on here is a waste of space, right? And a waste <laughs> of life and a waste of time." And a lot of that attitude probably seeped into the people around mm-hmm. him right yeah so you can't blame someone for being annoyed if they're competent at something and they're witnessing incompetence yeah you can't yep. blame them for yep. being annoyed right yeah you should be annoyed because that annoyance should move you to action 
a lot of people, a lot of energy came out of that. And now a lot of people went down the path of studying. Mm -hmm. And as I was saying earlier, uh, when we were talking before this, is that studying to me is not the, it's not even the core. To me, it's what you do with the knowledge yep. that matters, yep. right? Yep. How does that knowledge, and even let's say if it's to so if it's spirituality, and you're trying to uh, better yourself, and you're acquiring all these traits, like how is it spilling out to others, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you went straight to the action uh, <laughs> element. See, I couldn't, I can't study too much because it's like it, I'm going to burst, right? I need action. I need to actually do something with the knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So give me the knowledge that's going to work on the job. All I need is the tools that are going to work on the job. I don't need to I don't need tools that I'm not going to need on the job. Yep, right? Yep. Now you seem though that you actually were more even more direct to action, mm-hmm. right? So I would say I was maybe 50-50. I was like I need this the tools that I need to that I can pass on, but you went straight and had an impact right away. Met fastathon Right now, masjid boards, then celebrate mercy. So we stopped at the masjid boards. Now tell me the nitty, give me the nitty gritty, give me something juicy, give the listeners something juicy to, <laughs> like, what did you do in these masjid boards? Did, were the people annoyed? Oh, very annoyed, and and I, and I learned from that. Like again, I was I was young. I think I became president of the Muslim community of Knoxville when I was only twenty five years old. Wow. Um, Maybe how, one did, of, how did the community allow that to happen? What kind of people are these? <laughs> right, that well, would never happen with an Egyptian, Palestinian, Desi uh, masjid in Jersey. You would it would never happen. Well, they would, they the, would not break the, bo- the rules. The board themselves choose the officers, right? So we had, we had a young board, anyways, right? Okay. Um, and they choose who the officers are. So we had it was a nine per the, the way the bylaws had been written at that point in Knoxville. This was at the Anur Mosque. Was that? Um, Every two years, all nine seats are up for grabs. That's ridiculous. <laughs> how do you get that's continu- one of the things we changed, right? It's like a stra- staggered election. So how, how do you well, we continu- took advantage of it, mm-hmm. and we just took all nine seats. You know, um, six of them were people around my age, and then three elders that we loved, that we that we could work easily with, uh, and who we felt had a similar vision uh, for the community. And um, we, but because we did this complete coup. Um, it did uh, rock the boat too hard. We had some pushback from the community. Every time we held an open community meeting, there was friction. There was shouting. Um, you know, we, 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 we changed a lot of things, but we had pushback because it was too sudden of a change. And later on, it balanced out with the staggered elections. It did balance out and like things are running it's smooth sailing now. And a lot of those young people are still running the community today. But time out. You said that you went for for the elections. You went by the book. We went by the book. We just so, registered a lot of people to vote. So wait, you went by the book. So it's not a coup. That's true. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't call it a coup. It was just a well-organized campaign. So basically what it is, though, is they realized how stupid their law was, their bylaws, <laughs> right? Because that is the dumbest bylaw I ever heard. <laughs> it, 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 lent, it lent to a lot of uh, instability. Yeah, it was, it was dangerous. It was a very dangerous law. When you think of, uh, when, you write, when they write, make these law, uh, laws and bylaws and stuff, you got to think of the most crazy scenario, right? Yeah. And you got to avoid that. And yeah. here's a scenario where they got nine people, you know, managed to just sweep across the elections, right? And they didn't like it. That's but that's the system you guys put in place. Right, it is, and, and that's changed now. Every year now, it's only three of those nine seats that are up for grabs. Every year, it's there's a lot less drama surrounding the election because there's only three seats every year that are up for election. So we, we changed a lot. We changed those bylaws by two two thirds of the community voted on much more. You know, 
I felt like much more reasonable bylaws. I think that's the most lasting impact we made is that we we, we allowed for a more stable community um, after that sweep. I won't call it a coup anymore. So so you're actually pretty mature for your age. You're 25 years old. You're doing bylaws and things like that. Um, now, even one year on the board is like you barely got your feet wet. Like you only done one Ramadan. You've only, <laughs> right, right. you know, so even one year of a term limit is or is very little, right? No, well, so we didn't reform those bylaws till maybe two or three years down the road, you know, like because it took time to actually get a committee together and, you know, come up with solutions like that uh, or, or, or reformed bylaws. But um, yeah, eventually it, it's one every year, three seats are up for grabs, but it's a three year term. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's I a see. three year term. Okay, yeah. that, so that makes more sense. Yeah, three, yeah. Three you're, you're, when you're elected onto that measure now, you, you're on the board for three years. Okay. And did you have to give any community service before that like you did you need what are the preconditions to even go up for election uh well you just wrote like a one paragraph bio sometimes they had a forum for all the candidates to address questions from the community um and then people come in to vote on voting day that's that's how that's how it happened when that sweep took place is that but they knew us because we were the children of active community members like we were the kids uh, many of us were kids of previous board members, you know, so we weren't strangers coming in from out of nowhere. Um, we were just kids that they felt like you guys, you know, the programs you guys like are weird, you know, like you got, you got, you know, the, your teachers are unusual, you know, like, you know, like you want to do, you want to do things that are a little different than, or much different than, than how we do things. But they didn't view us as strangers. Okay, so that's good. That, well, you can't be a stranger in Knoxville, Tennessee, anyway, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's one masjid, actually. Yeah. There's, even today, it's only there's only one purpose-built masjid in the city. Which is nice. Those little communities in the middle of um, America, those are they're nice because everyone knows everyone. That's right. So it's a good feeling. But honestly, if you lose to a bunch of 25-year-olds, then you're fools, and you deserve to have lost. To be honest. Like, just from an outsider perspective, I don't know them. I probably shouldn't say that because they're my elders, too. But just to be honest, like, if you got outvoted from Celebrate Mercy in a year, right? Yeah, yeah. If I was able to organize, if a 20-year-old was able to organize the ouster of Tarek al-Masidi from Celebrate Mercy, then Tarek al-Masidi must have been a fool to begin with, right? Well, I won't call anyone a fool because I've, 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 you know, <laughs> but, 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 but I, I will say that like, you know, it was just the, the bylaws were written and we, we kind of did th things underground. Like uh, this, re everything was very tight. We had a very yeah. tight operation. That's we great. registered people quietly. We, 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 each person, each young person who had been to these programs like Dean Intensives had like, were responsible for bringing 20 or 30 people out to vote on voting day. You know, I remember one of my friend's apartments was like not too far from the measure. He literally had binoculars, oh like looking at the measure to, to count and report who is coming to vote on voting day. Oh my we, had, we had a pretty tight operation. Was, was, was um, there a requirement to vote, like to be a member? I think to? you had to be a member for like two years or actually maybe even mm, one year, just okay. one year. Okay, so I think one of the best things for Masajid is that if someone's going to be on the board, that person's got to have shown about five years of being in the picture. I agree. Yeah, you know, I think I think picture. you need to have served the community. You can't come in as an outsider. Yeah, yeah, and you can't come in as someone who's been served as opposed to someone who's, like, did you volunteer for anything? Like, mm -hmm. did you show up? And it's not even that you have a form that says I showed did 20 hours. It's like you know it when you see it. Yeah, you know? the problem is most, most Masajid... I, I don't have a number for this, but a large number of Masajid, maybe even the majority, don't even have elections in the first place. So it's literally like, it's kind of like a monarchy. You know? Well, some, sometimes there is a middle way where 
you don't have elections, but you don't have permanence. Mm. And so you can have a generous term and then the person, they, they select someone from the people who are active, which we know you, you've been around. No one's going to mind that you're a board member now because yeah. you've been doing so much anyway. And then one person leaves, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a replacement type of system so that you do have fresh blood all the time. Uh, it doesn't stagnate. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, it keeps the vision and it doesn't have the politics and the nastiness that elections can bring. Yep. Yep. So I agree. I agree. I think that's a decent middle ground. Now, question for you. Was there an imam? No imam. And there's still not an imam. Okay. You know, and some, you know, the way I view imams is that they can either really help or really hurt things, you know, because imams can often be very divisive. Um, they can, uh, you know, if you don't have a wise imam who can bring people together, it can sometimes divide the community more than unite the community. So it's 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 tricky. It's tricky. Would you say your message is more like a neighborhood mosque or is it city mosque? I would say a city mosque at this point. Maybe when I was growing up, it was more of a neighborhood mosque. But now there's an Islamic school. There's different musallas around town. Um, it's it's grown a lot, but there's still one Eid prayer for the whole city. That's good. Um, but there's multiple Jumas now. So you have a lot of service needs then. You got a there's lot of a teens. Lot. There's a lot. There's even a seminary now in Knoxville. Yeah. So your message really does need an imam. It does, but there there are scholars in town because of the seminary. So you have like Sheikh oh, Hassan al-Ashhab. Okay. You have Ustad Zainab al-Ansari. So that's filling that role. Yeah, there are scholars there. There's Good. just not like a masjid imam. Gotcha. So how did it end? Well, I don't. I wouldn't say that it ended because some of those people that I still served on the board with, uh, you know, one of my good friends, Nadim Siddiqui, and and others are still on the masjid board. In fact. Uh, Maha Aya, she'll hate me for mentioning her name, but she's now the pres. She is the president of the community. Um, she served on the board when when we had that sweep. Um, you know, and 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 these people are still leading the community, leading the seminary, leading the Islamic school. One of them is now the principal of the Islamic school. So it never ended. I left Knoxville though um, after I graduated from with with an MBA. I got a, a job in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and uh, began working as a supply chain manager at Procter & Gamble. Okay, so those people have been on the board from that time until now? Until now. I mean, they've, you know, some have taken a break for a term yeah. and come back, but they're still, they're still running the show. That's great. And you're, is the Masjid School and Seminary all one umbrella? Or separate organizations? They're separate, but they work very closely together. Even all the musallas. When you get an email from Muslim Community of Knoxville, it tells you where all the jumas are and who's giving khutbah. And it's all it's all pretty much under one umbrella. Oh, that's great. Because, you know, as we were talking earlier when we were eating, I, w I was saying that the biggest thing that I, I, that is missing is continuity of a vision. Yeah. So we, we yeah. have a lot of... Um, Things that you could say were like great for five, like, you know, a sports dynasty, like yep, uh, yep. great for five years. Right. Yep, and yep. then the players leave and then all of a sudden that team stinks. Right. Yep. So we have a lot of that. Like we have you, you, we can sit here together and name a bunch of organizations and say that they no longer provide what they provided. They're yeah. no longer even may, may not even exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe have been so damaged by drama and fitna that they can't offer what they used to offer. And that's to me is a problem. That's something yeah. that I don't like to see and I wouldn't like for myself or anyone else. So the fact that that one act or that one time of movement still has an effect, that is a beautiful thing. And I, I credit my friend Nadim Siddiqui. He's one kind of the last man standing that still remained very active. Some of them left for terms and came back, but MashaAllah, he's continued to do great things there. Did the community start buying into these individuals, trusting them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, okay, they're very good. respected. I mean, they're, 
you know they're now they're they're still leading and 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 i think you know we've we've all matured now and and i think the community is 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 happy and stable alhamdulillah Uh, tell me what was the biggest mistake you made when you were in that period of time the biggest mistake, as I said, you know, coming back from these Dean intensives and Rehlas, I tried to change their whole moon sighting policy. <laughs> you know, I was like gung-ho. Oh I was gung-ho on like, we have to sight the moon. We have to. Yeah. You know, even on Eid al-Adha. And like, you know, and I still I still believe we, we start our months by sighting the moon. You know, I, personally, that's my view. You know, tradition. I'm kind of traditional in that sense. I'm not really into the calculations. I prefer moon sighting. Um, however, I imposed that on the community, and I got the whole board to impose that. We tried to change Eid al-Adha to not to not go with Saudi Arabia and and just go with North American moon sighting. That for the first time in that year, we had two Eid prayers in Knoxville. It was like painful, and it hurt. It hurt all of our. Some families were split. Wow. You know, it was it was difficult. And I and I just a few months later, I sent an apology to the community. To this day, I still feel guilty about that. Um, and they really appreciated the apology. And I said, you know, regardless of how we view when these holidays begin, it's not worth splitting a community over. And I, and I deeply apologized for that. And so I, and I learned from that, you know, and it was a big mistake. Um, but that's just, that was just, you know, that's one of the uh, disclaimers for being young is you do stupid things. Well, the, and that is a problem because on the it's these are type of Nazida issues, Nawazid issues that are new issues there. The dominant opinion is without a doubt on all four of the madhabs is that the the month is to be begun by the moon sighting for the reason that moon sighting is something everyone can do mm-hmm. right a villager mm-hmm. can sight a moon that's right whereas so sharia does not like to limit the tools of doing religious things religious things to an elite right and uh, other things can be left to an elite mm-hmm. right but religious obligations that Allah requires of you should be really like at the lowest common denominator. That's yep. why moon sighting is the... Now, you come to America and there are some pretty valid uh, concerns about um, scheduling, about people needing time off. Like, you just can't show up, not show up one day. You yeah. can't tell the guy, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. That's true. Right? Or if you want your schools in a district to take aid off. Yeah. Right? I mean, think about some jobs, especially in hospitals, they're scheduled out two weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. Like surgeons, for example, they're scheduled out two weeks. In. You can't tell them maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. That's right. Right. That's right. So that's you can't also say you dismiss that. You can't dismiss that. So where do you where do you go? So that's where I would um, you know prefer to. I know what the method, what the position is of Ahlul Sunnah, the dominant fiqhi position, and whatever happens, I sort of would uh, um, you know not want to have to be that. Have to have make that decision because it is type of, uh, or I should say that I would rather be not make not in that position. Yeah. If I had to make a decision, I would make a decision. Right. I'm not going to be afraid to make a decision, but I would rather not that burden falls upon uh, upon me. And um, unfortunately, that's the thing that fell on you, which is a hard <laughs> thing. You're not, you're not winning either way, by the way, on that issue. Yeah. You're not winning. You're losing on either way. It's just to calculate what's the lesser of two evils. And, and, and for Idol Atta, it's very emotional. You're, you turn on the TV, you're seeing people like, you know, make tawaf. It's, you're seeing people at Hajj. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an emotional connection to the Hajjis. And um, yeah, it was, it was messy. And I regret, you know, pushing that too hard, as hard as I did. But uh, I realized later that's not a hill to die on. Our community has much more important issues. And at the end of the day, it's a celebration. It's not supposed to be a day of grief or yeah. backbiting or whatnot. Yeah, Ram- Ramadan is more understandable because yes. there's a fart involved. Yeah, we, we did moon sighting for Ramadan, which wasn't that c- controversial. How did you do it? By who? 
we actually said, you know, we're going to take three organizations, Chicago Hillel, Crescent Watch, and I think there was one in Toronto. And we said, we're going to go with the majority of what these three organizations say as to when the month of Ramadan starts. So it was still like people were waiting till midnight. I mean, Crescent Watch is based in California. We were still waiting till late night to determine when Ramadan begins. But we, we said, these are three reputable you know, organizations. We're going to go with what two out of three or all three say. But uh, so that's global moon setting, or is it hemispheric? Like I think I think one I think one went with hemispheric, um, and one yeah I think it was mostly hemispheric, like okay. North America. Yeah. Okay. So either or maybe north and south. Nice. So um, you moved on peacefully. So there wasn't no like uh, the train didn't hit a wall or anything. No, I mean that was still that you know we we still after that uh, fitna of uh, moon sighting fitna this was still the same board that passed reformed bylaws by two-thirds votes um, and they still got things done and the apology meant a lot to everyone it really healed the that's community. good and, and in um perspective that's that's not a massive fitna even like it's not there's nothing yeah. evil about that no it was just sad i mean it was just like you know yeah. there, but things have healed now alhamdulillah it wasn't yeah it wasn't like the fitness of today yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay so you moved on to cincinnati and you took your board uh, uh you know board savvy operation and your campaign and you created a war room in cincinnati is that right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I developed, you know, Cincinnati, I developed good friends there, and we had similar uh, issues at Clifton Mosque, you know, the first masjid established in Cincinnati. Um, there was friction there. There was just a different vision for the community. Um, we ended up, we ended up, after a few years of me living there, we ended up um, winning the majority of the seats on that board. You know, the, the younger, it was like actually a board of uh, we actually called it, I think, IQ6, the Indigenous Quorum of Six, or something okay. like that, like where we wanted a quorum. We wanted six out of 11 seats, and we got those six seats, alhamdulillah. I think it actually became IQ7 later. And so um, that went well. That was actually more of a store, like more of a long term, it was more of a failure, you know, because that fizzled out. A lot of those people didn't remain. They got, they got uh, disgruntled, burnt out. Um, I left Cincinnati myself, um, you know, later on, um, and you know that 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 effort kind of fizzled out later. Unfortunately, it was different though because this time you were an outsider. I w yes, exactly. It's like so this I, campaign yes. manager has moved into town <laughs> and he's gonna. Yeah, even though I didn't really um, get active in the community till a few years later, but um, yeah, I was an outsider. I wasn't that known. I was, it, you know, by some of the uncles, I was seen as a more direct threat. Um, but alhamdulillah, you know, they were good good years, alhamdulillah, when we were there. I'm just wondering about some of these, um, you know, if someone came and did that, you got to eliminate the person, right? Like if someone's causing that type of fit, no, I'm just trying to imagine. Someone came to around to, 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 to try to change things up. They don't, they don't read the play. They didn't see that this is where it's going. And they didn't, uh, that's why I'm telling you, sometimes... Some people, when they're defeated, they deserve to have been defeated, mm. right? Because you had you were not competent enough to see this coming, right? You weren't aware enough and awake enough, right, to to recognize the holes in your own system that mm -hmm. you created. That because you did everything lawfully, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why sometimes people they deserve, and not to say they deserve it like they're you know in a, but 
No one is bad intentioned. Yeah, they, but they deserve must learn a lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Like you open this up, mm-hmm. so learn a lesson and move forward, right? So you 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 were you were hurt, but not unlawfully. No one oppressed you. That's right. You you just have to learn to close your own loops. Yeah, right. And 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 we always, um, you know, when when we're working on these secret campaigns or we're mobilizing people and getting organized. We always make it a point to make dua for those who started these communities, founded these communities, even the current leadership that we're trying to win against. We're always we're not bad mouthing them. We're trying to be examples of what we want the message to be. Um, and so we try to, you know, we try to maintain good hearts, hopefully, and, so and, and remember our, what our intentions should be. That's like uh, the Prophet said, "Ahsinul Qitla," right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Make your victim cut. <laughs> right. Be merciful with your victim, basically. But it's sort of uh, it's a good attitude to have. You have to have that attitude. But then again, they're the ones who are inviting mm-hmm. competition. When you say there's going to be voting, right? I mean, it's a big rift we have in our community. You have the indigenous community. We have children of the immigrants, and you have the immigrants. And the, and a masjid in Egypt is a masjid where it's just for prayer and it's just for Juma. Mm-hmm. A masjid, you know, maybe that's a, probably the same in Pakistan. I mean, it's not like you're not even allowed to give public lectures or pro or host your own programming in many masjids in the in, in muslim majority countries mm. you know so the vision of a mosque for many immigrants is it, this is a place of prayer and that's it yeah although a church in egypt is a community center because they're a minority true right the coptic christians they're very communal yeah. you know and they, they they stand together and um and that's i mean that's what a minority does so i think it's a, it's not that they had they were bad people i mean our our I would argue that our our elders sacrificed mo- much more for our community than we do. Yeah. You know, they gave so much time, so much money. They blazed trails for us. But I think it was John Adams, the second president of the United States, who said that today, you know, today we're soldiers, so our so our children can be engineers and builders, and their children can be artists and poets. Yeah, you which know. which is the end of everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> At that point, uh, I like the Spartans because the Spartans mm. broke that cycle. Mm. Today we're soldiers, so that you can continue to be soldiers, right? <laughs> and this is the the cycle that Ibn Khaldun talked about. It's a bad cycle, mm. right? Of success is the beginning of all downfall, mm. and that's why the Spartan attitude to me is extremely important to start inculcating it. Both in ourselves, like for example, you, you and your family, you're going to go off, inshallah, bi have a family, be successful. Like, and if if you then, many families do this, right? Especially the families that went from rags to riches. Now, you didn't go from rags to riches, but let's say, like, let's say your dad came, worked, my dad came, worked, and then it's sort of rags to riches where you have a very simple lifestyle, but you came up to America, you have a great lifestyle, and even a poor American, right? A man's poor, came in, did well. He's going to say to himself, I want my kid to do what I couldn't ever do, right? Like, um, you know, like you said, be a artist and a poet, right? Right. But that's actually a huge mistake. Mm. It's a huge mistake, right? Because you're just perpetuating now the beginning of softness, mm. right? And, and patheticness. So what you want actually is to the visions for cycles should be more balanced. They should be everyone should have a sliver of a Spartan attitude. And there was a beautiful a willingness to sacrifice for the community, willingness to serve the community, and to go without, to for, go without for periods. Yeah. I of agree. Time. I agree. I agree. There's an amazing family in in, in Morocco, Morocco, where they had a family tradition uh, that was started by one of the heads of the families. That this family got their scholars. They had uh, they had a zawiya, right? Uh, 
like a, that they controlled themselves. It was masjid, school, every all the programs that they would do. Uh, it was huge. And then they had property. They had tons of property. They were collecting rent and just they would become mashayikh. Mm-hmm. Every generation they become sheikhs, right? Like a waqf. Yeah, but it was theirs. Wow. Their wow. private money. Mashallah. Right? It was not even a waqf. It was their personal property. Mm. And the family would just become mashayikh, right? But one of the, the habits that they established is that when a, or a young man shows that he's going to be the next leader of the of the family, um, you know, mashayikh and the... They send him, they give him a sack of money and they send him away. You can't come back to the city for four years. Wow. You got to survive on your own for four years. Wow. Right? Like boot camp. Yeah. Just go and survive. Do what you do. Come back in four years. And of course, they're they're not worried about uh, a lot of things that we would worry about today. That We're talking about 60s and 50s and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, obviously, the whole country is Muslim. So there's not a lot to worry about. So they send him out. And he comes back four years later. In that time, he knows how to manage money. He knows the value of money. He's worked. He knows what blue-collar work is because that's the kind of work he's going to get. He knows the ins and outs of the politics if he gets a masjid job as a sheikh, right? If he gets a teaching post, he knows the ins and outs, right? He's lived a little bit, got shaken up a little bit. Mm. Then he comes back and he can be a responsible and he can pass on to the next generation, you know, some of that uh, mental toughness. Mm. I love that. And appreciation of... You know the little things, whereas if he had just received it in his lap, right, he'd be spoiled, he'd be destroyed. And whenever you look around at uh, business magnates who give their companies or their wealth to their kids, the kid has not scrapped ever, right? He doesn't know anything, and the, the thing dies with him, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm actually very always thinking about this. You have to almost not curb your success, but you should sort of slow it down so that you can't, you don't lose sight of that type of spartan attitude that fasting living simply having to scrap and struggle having to go through regular days where you know nothing great's going on right mm. it's really important to me yeah i mean we, we've talked about this a little bit recently it's just these this idea of rites of passage about you know um men and women coming into adolescence like the the, the experience you had in morocco mm-hmm. you know just just getting out of the suburban bubble or, or, or sheltered life, you know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, we need to, we need to think about what we can give to our youth um, of, the, of that kind of experience that we had, like, you know, kind of suffering a little bit and sacrificing. Yeah, and sometimes all it is is um, long walks and hikes. That by itself could, could etch away at Without a the smartphone. Yeah, without the smartphone. <laughs> right. Like some physical fitness, right? Some, some long walks. That by itself, like you, you think a lot when you're walking. You have to, you have to move to get there. Yeah. Right. Um, and every prophet was a shepherd. Every prophet was a shepherd, and you, uh, little things because we can't do the crazy stuff. And there's no time for crazy. We it's got to be little things, right? Yeah. Uh, chores for kids are huge. You got to do chores, right? Um, sleeping in maybe one day a week max, right? right Not a, right. summertime every day sleeping in. That's a disaster, right? Right. right. So we have to think about uh, making sure that we're tough and strong because the world over is getting soft, and the federal governments are getting so huge to control everything. They're going to pass laws for everything, so they're leaving nothing to us, mm. right? When federal government is paying your tuition, feeding you, taking care of your medical, like what did you do? Right? right, so right, it right. softens the citizenry, right? So, any event, we move now to you're in Cincinnati, 
that uh, that experiment um, it didn't go as you wanted, but for reasons that you moved, basically, right? Is that why? Um, no, I mean, I I think it started to fizzle out a little bit before I moved, um, but I think it was just uh, burnout. You know, there were there was just a lot of drama on on the boards, and Cincinnati had a little bit different of a structure. They had a board of trustees with lifetime appointments and a board of directors. So it, it was just too hard. I think it was just it was just too hard. You know, it, it just people people burnt out. They, they resigned and things just broke down gradually over time. It didn't it didn't survive. It didn't survive. I mean, there are still some people who I was on the board with that are still on it today, but they're a minority. They're not the majority. Okay, so there wasn't uh, the same type of family unity that you had in Knoxville, where right. you were sort of like the kids who were doing something, that, you know, annoying to the parents, but they'll still put up with you. Right. right? right. So that didn't exist in Cincinnati. Correct. All right, so you, you, a person does a bunch of things. Some of them work, some of them don't. Absolutely. But one thing I like about you seems like your activity is this, these crisp chapters, right? Facetthon, Knoxville Mosque, Cincinnati Mosque. Next chapter? Well, while in Cincinnati, you know, I, I started Celebrate Mercy. Um, that was, uh, you know, basically back in 2010 um, is when I started it on the side of my full-time job. I started it, you know, doing it as a volunteer only um, back in 2010. So I moved to Cincinnati around 2006. It was a few years later that Celebrate Mercy began. 2006? Yes. Okay, good. So I moved to Cincinnati in 2006, and 2010 is when Celebrate Mercy began. Oh, 2010? Yes, yes. How? What was the idea? Well, I had been invited to be a, an MC on a, on a webinar that was raising funds for the Haiti earthquake victims. You know, Seekers Guidance asked me to, like, kind of moderate this webinar, and people like Dr. Sherman Jackson, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, Imam Zaid were coming on their webcams and raising funds for Haiti. This is my first exposure to a webinar. Mm. I later, it was Rabi al-Awwal, and I was on a plane, and I thought, you know, and I, and I always really loved the seerah ever since that Rehla and Fez, and I was, you know, listening to the Sheikh Hamza cassette tapes on the seerah. I was really into seerah. I thought, you know, Rabi al-Awwal is happening. Why don't we do a global webinar where we invite these speakers and nasheed singers to talk about the Prophet, and people from around the world can can join in this live webinar and uh that's what the idea was the idea was born on, a, on an airplane really two days later subhanallah my mom calls me from knoxville and she says i just came back from uh juma prayer and an auntie came up to me just to tell me that i had a dream of your son and your son was sitting in front of a huge group of people telling Sira stories and singing songs about the Prophet. You know, that's and I had not told my mom anything. That's amazing. Subhanallah. Yeah. And then, that's and then, um, just things just started happening left and right, and and things were facilitated. Our first speaker who agreed to participate was Yusuf Islam. You know, and after he said yes, everyone said yes, and it just snowballed into this beautiful webinar that we called Celebrate Mercy in 2010. How did you come up with the name? That was a big debate. Thank God, you know, I had a, a friend who was working with me called uh, Khuram, um, and and we both were like, you know, uh, throwing out words, and then you know, we basically said, wait, celebrate. How do we tie it in? Just it just came out organically. Celebrate mercy. We thought it was non-controversial. Um, it, it it it's based on the verse in the Quran. Uh, Qul like say, you know, basically. Uh, say in the mercy of God and in his bounty, 
um, in that let them rejoice or in that let them rejo- uh, celebrate mm. so basically celebrate mercy okay I never knew it came from the ayah. yeah yeah it makes yeah. total sense and it's a unique name because it's a verb yeah, it's it's like an imperative it's verb. An imper- it's a command yeah. tense verb. Right, right, right. right. So, and, and you don't see a lot of names with the command tense verb. Yeah, right? it was so, unique. And it's it's like a sentence essentially, yeah. right? So, well, one of the, let me mention this. One, one of the craziest things that happened is when we start when we started our Twitter account before we had a website or a registered nonprofit or anything. We we signed up for Celebrate Mercy Twitter account, and the captcha that appeared. You know, when the when the words are shaped really funky and, and letters, and you have to type it in to pro- prove that you're not a robot. Yeah. The words that came up on Twitter said pluralistic Muhammad. That's crazy. So <laughs> and I have a screenshot of this. That I have is a screen. Insane. And, That's and insane. we just fell out of our seats. We were like, yeah. basically, Muhammad for all people. Sallallahu you know. And then when we started our Facebook account, it said, the captcha that appeared said, Policeman Gabriel. SubhanAllah. <laughs> and then the third time a captcha appeared, it said, Unleash Blessings. That's insane. <laughs> and I have screenshots. Tell you, this is insane. <laughs> so all these things were coming together. We felt like there was some wind. There was a barakah behind this project from the very beginning. This, this, that's like a, uh, a karama because of the nature of the work and the subject matter of the work. Uh, it's all the barakah of the Prophet, Sallallahu Anything that's done for the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's positive in this sense. Uh, it's going to succeed because one of the one of the things that happens is that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the image of the Messenger sallallahu is what Islam is. Right? Absolutely. How, if you want to know the status of Islam in a place, look at the image of the Prophet sallallahu And there was a man who had a dream of the Messenger peace be upon him who was so disturbed until he got the interpretation of the dream. Uh, and 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 he told me this in confidence, but it's so important. I feel like I need to tell. I might say who it is, but uh, it's so important that I feel like mm. I need to tell him. I hope he doesn't get upset. Is that he saw that he was in Medina? He was in Medina at the time, and he saw a, a dream that night that people were stoning the grave of the Prophet. Wow! He was so upset. He was so upset. Mm. Then the next night, after being upset all day, he saw a vision again. This time of the Prophet and he said. The people of the world are cursing me. Wow. SubhanAllah. So work like sharing the seerah and the shema'at of the messengers of Allah send them. It's, it, it's fighting that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And people don't think that the Prophet them, cares what regular people think. Sometimes Muslims uh, sort of look at the rest of the world of non-Muslims as like the enemy tribe across the battlefield, whereas the bulk of them are just regular people. And yeah. the Quran talks about Anas, right? And those are the regular people that the Prophet wants the message of Islam to reach. The ethic of da'wah, which was so important to Imam al-Haddad, Abdullah bin Arwin haddad that he made, uh, he established it as one of the um, five or three, depending on, so ilm, suluk, and da'wah, right? And in another listing that he has is khashya, ilm, uh, khawf, uh, da'wah, and there's one other one. Right, taqwa. Mm. Okay, so uh, to to the Prophet ﷺ to know that the Prophet peace be upon him, even after his death, is aware of the happenings of the world because he, by him his own admission, is telling us in a hadith, not admission, but a statement, is telling us in a hadith, your deeds are shown to me. Yeah, right? absolutely. And we, and no- I didn't know that growing up. I mean, I was not exposed to that growing up in Sunday yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, and the Prophet did not just come, send the message, and leave, as some people say. He, uh, the, wasn't just a mailman. Exactly. Just a, ma- a mailman came the message and left. 
but rather we even know that the Prophet was aware of the of the actions of Sahaba and those who never met the Prophet. Mm. For example, Sayyidina Bilal did not visit the grave of the Prophet for some period of time because he moved to Syria. The Prophet came with him for a dream for that, mm. right? And he said, uh, you know, what is this dryness that you haven't come visit us? So he's aware of the actions of Sayyidina Bilal. Prophet were many, many ulama, so many ulama, that they would have a problem and they would find it was the messenger of Allah who came to their, uh, gave him a solution. Amongst them, Sultan Abdul Hamid, the oh, famous story oh. about him, Sultan Abdul Hamid, and now we're talking 20th century, 1900s, right? This, so we're not just talking Salaf and Tabi'in. Right, we're right. talking 20th century where a man came to him. He said, I have a need, I have a major debt, and I've been told that you will pay it for me, right? And he said, and who, who says this? Who, who told you Who told you that I'm paying it? When I'm the Khalifa, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He said, the Messenger of Allah, said. And he said, and what's your proof? I mean, it's like another claimant and a charlatan and a fraud to, to, to defraud me for money, right? right, right. He said that uh, the Messenger of Allah, said, has a message for you. And he said, on day such and such, like three days ago or four days ago, whatever, you didn't fulfill your wird of Salah and Salam upon me. Wow. Right? Wow. And so as a kafara for that, pay off this man's debt. Yeah. I mean, so the, the awareness of the Messenger of Allah, of the Salah and Salam of the Sultan, right? And he says even in that deen, uh, in that uh, uh, episode, incident, that that occurred, he said, Qulli Hamidina. Oh, wow. He named wow. him Ar Hamid. Yeah. Like our, my representative. That's what the Prophet that's what re 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 refer refer to him referred as. to him as. Hamid. So, this awareness. Now, don't you think that the people walking around in the streets who are just normal people, yes, they uh, uh, normal in the respect that they haven't pitched their their flag on against Islam force. They're just living their lives. Mm. Uh, don't you think that they want the Prophet wants them to have a good impression of him so that they could be, they could be guided, not because he wants, he needs friends, right? Sakhfirullah, right? It's mm -hmm. because, so they could be guided because he's a symbol of the guidance. If you accept him, you're accepting the truth. Yeah. If you reject him, you're not going to be. And and the, the whole concept of salawat, it's something that we try to revive, you know, and, and emphasize in all of our programs is is a proof of the Prophet Sallallahu presence today yeah you know that that multiple ahadith say that when we just say sallallahu alayhi wasallam that is conveyed by angels to him and his soul mm -hmm. returns to his body and he responds to us personally so he is involved in our i mean we actually pot in our most intimate conversation with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala five times a day when we pray it's it's almost like we pause to say assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabi like peace be upon you yeah O Messenger of Allah, we're speaking directly to the Prophet in our prayer with God. You know, so so salawat is something we already do multiple times a day, but we have to. I, I believe we we have to emphasize the importance of it that it's a way to relieve our anxieties because yeah. it is the Prophet asking Allah to send you peace and to send you rahmah yeah. and to send you barakah. It's a dua, a dua of the Messenger peace be upon him for a person when a person responds, exactly right, or, or when he when he responds, and the when when the Prophet's making multiple duas for a person, that has a different impact than mm -hmm. any other dhikr, right? Because when you do dhikr, it's accepted by Allah Taala, and angels attend with you. But when you do salah on the Prophet, you're getting a dua back. Mm. That's why salah on the Prophet peace be upon him is uh, oftentimes prescribed as a medicine for jagged personalities, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. conflict-oriented personalities, for anger, 
even in Egypt, Salih yeah, Nabi, exactly. you know, like exactly. when you're when you're heated, you know, send prayers on the yeah. Prophet for anger, like in those moments, yeah. right? For anyone who's got a heated personality, they can cool them, balance themselves out. You're never mm -hmm. going to cool down to the point that you're going to change. Your personality is the way it is for a wisdom, right? For work that you need to do on the earth, but it you do need to control it. You need to balance it. And uh, people who have anger in general, anger is a good thing if it's channeled properly because that's what stops dhulm. Anger is what stops uh, bad things from happening if a person gets sees it, gets angry, takes mm -hmm. action, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and while because he's angry at the wrong, he's not taking into consideration the consequences oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you had everyone think about the consequences of fixing things no one would fix anything because everything has consequences right that's true but those types of people need to control their anger right? they need to turn it on a flip a flip it on and flip it off right and be able to like a light that harness it yeah you know those lights that uh not even just on and off that you scale it up dimming lights dimming yeah. lights so so not everything requires a 100 percent anger mm. sometimes you need to be at 10 percent 20%, 30%. That's a good analogy. Right? Yeah. So that control of anger comes from Salah and the Messenger, peace be upon you know. So the Salah and the Prophet is a different type of ibadah. And when you think of, after all these years, what is the summary of Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah? The summary, I would say, of Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah is love of the Prophet, mm -hmm. the four madhabs, mm -hmm. fiqh by the four madhabs. Mm -hmm. Allah is not in a space or a time, right? And I would say it's really the, these three in terms of theory, in terms of ideas. Mm -hmm. These are the three most important ideas. And at the top of it is love of the Prophet. Yeah. Right. And we don't we don't we don't emphasize that as much as we should with our kids. You know, our like, uh, you know, like uh, Sidi Hisham Mahmoud says that many of our children are learning the seerah like they're reading a resume mm -hmm. like this is what he did and this it's like they're reading a timeline mm -hmm. of achievements mm -hmm. you know you come away reading a resume you'll respect that person yeah you know um but you won't deeply love and yearn for a person yeah if you just read their resume you have to get to know that person you, you can't love someone that you don't know so that's that's really the whole problem we're hoping to solve at celebrate mercy and we hope that allah is using us to you know to for you know for what uh, you know that, that Allah has promised that he will elevate the the remembrance of the prophet and, and hopefully this is one of the tools inshallah it's one of the tools and it's in one of the most important languages that's the key because English is all over the world and 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 you're not even limited you can hold programs if you meet people and you know speak Bengali I mean they don't Maybe they don't need it, but because uh, they have their own things going on. But I mean, you're not limited. You can do this in Spanish. You can hire. You yeah. can go down to Mexico and have programs. You we, can. We're actually to, talking about that soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you can do programs everywhere, right? And uh, I don't know. Would you ever do a program in France? Would they even allow you know these types of things? I don't I know. I mean, if, France isn't at the top of our list, but you know, like, but cause, um, because if anyone needs yeah. that, whenever the dhikr of the Messenger I said, like in Islam, where the Prophet, peace be upon, love of the Prophet is item number one on the list. Right. After, like Tawheed, yeah. it's love of the Prophet. Not yeah. just, it's obedience of the Prophet, of course, right? But it's also love of the Prophet, peace be upon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, it's a whole different culture because now you're taking on things, Shama'in and Sunan, out of a desire. Exactly. Not out of a, a, a law, right? Yeah. So the obedience, of course, is 100%. There's no such thing as love of the Prophet without obeying him or considering his Sunnah as 
uh, in the usul as top in the mm-hmm. in the usul, of course. But once you put it that people actually truly love the Messenger Sallallahu everything changes. Yeah, All right. It's yeah. really everything changes, and and even those lands, people will soften because lovers of the Prophet Sallallahu they share food. It's festive, right? It's it's really enjoyable. Like their whole culture becomes a beautiful culture. Yeah. Right. And Islam is the religion of that culture, but it's a beautiful culture of sharing food, of uh, uh, caring about you know the this the state of people around you, of avoiding fits and 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 conflicts uh, that don't you know that aren't your business, right? Uh, and all those things. So I think um, we should. That's this got to spread. Right, and I wish if I was if I when I if I retire if I ever retired and had nothing to do I'd probably volunteer with Celebrate Mercy. Oh, you wouldn't just be a volunteer. <laughs> trust me, I've been I've been trying to get you to do more programs with us. You know, <laughs> I, I I would love to be like an eighty year old man. Give me the Shema Ed book, right, and turn my brain off and just do the Shema Ed lectures uh, all over the mm-hmm. world. I would love to uh, to do that. Uh, but you know, hopefully, Safina Saadi is something that uh, works and continues to work. But one of the speaking—it's all, it's all prophetic work, you know. It's all—I mean, we we were blessed to sit with people who really love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and can you know pass that on to us. You know, um, as deficient as we are, you know, I, I I do believe that we at least were exposed to people who really love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and we you know hopefully share some of that love. We want to convey it to others, but. So many projects are prophetic projects. Yeah. And now uh, we got to wrap up, unfortunately. I wish I could say, but I, I, I took too long, believe it or not, because uh, in the morning I got into a cleaning zone, right? Mm. Like I'm a, I'm a beast at cleaning, right? <laughs> okay. and, and you don't need to clean because you don't have any kids here. But when you do and they, they run through the weekend and destroy everything in the weekend, mm. right? When they go off to school Monday morning, Okay, and I get my myself going just by touching up. I couldn't stop today, right? I think we're all seeing a different side of Doctor Shed yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stop. Like when I get into cleaning, I get into a. You're putting people. me to shame here. <laughs> <laughs> people, they, I have to be pulled out mm. because it starts with one little thing, right? And if you get going, and it's next, it's deep cleaning. Like I'm on my knees, deep cleaning, right? And it, I'm, I'm actually, I think I have a situation. I'm like an addict when I clean. When I when I don't feel like cleaning, I'm the biggest slob, right? But when I clean, it's just like everything's moving, right? I'm getting under everything, wow. right? So I ended up doing that for like 40 minutes, which is insane, <laughs> and uh, uh, ended up being late here. But in any event, the one thing that I want to finish before I, I we wrap up and I try to beat the rush hour traffic uh, out of Philly into New Jersey is... I really, I'm making dua that you continue this work on for years to come and you retire with it, inshallah, inshallah. and pass it on to a good apprentice because I'm really just, enough is enough with the organizational dysfunction, the discontinuity, and we really have to say enough is enough. Like you have reputable operations that just go down. Mm. Like it's unheard of. Within days or weeks. Within days and weeks and the thing is shot. And sometimes, like, it slowly graduates. It's like as if the founder or the the main push of the organization sort of, like, got bored with it or something, right? Mm -hmm. And he's moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. Or some infighting happened, and all of a sudden the main driver of the operation is kicked out. Or he has his own personal scandal. We have scandals now. What the heck is going on? Enough is enough. What is it? Who are we now that we have scandals? Are we kidding? We got scandals? Yeah. This is just a joke. Honestly, we we got to get this dawah under control. We got to get ourselves under control and running a tight ship and doing it right. It doesn't have to be fireworks, but it's got to be 
like our dads, what was your dad, engineer? Civil engineer, okay. PhD. My dad was a chemist, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad's best friend was a chemist. And all his friends were, were chemists. He came with a generation of chemists. Wow. They all still, in a, I'm telling you, these, these types of people were competent people. They were st- consistent. They might've been a bit boring because engineers <laughs> tend to be boring, right? <laughs> but there's no ups and downs. Right, right. It's just like one straight line. Right. Maybe a bit boring, but at least like this, there's stability there. Yeah. They were so stable. My dad has a diary for his car. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, literally. Like yeah. when did the oil change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like changing the oil. Like he can like, like he has like a biography for his car. <laughs> <laughs> so these, these were stable men. Mm-hmm. We're lacking stability. We have liquid modernity, which means the thing that is huge today can be liquefied tomorrow. Right. And everything is changing. The landscape is constantly changing. Yeah. And I was talking to Sheikh Yahya the other day at, at his gathering. Oh, you were there. Yeah. And I was like, we got, we need stabilization, right? I want there to be Celebrate Mercy in 2060. Uh, inshallah. As inshallah. the same thing, not some morphed <laughs> right, operation, right, right, right? Right, right? And you you would want Maqasid to be around in 2060 as the same thing. Safina too, right? Yeah, Safina society. Yeah, you would want these things as the same thing because these things, Islam is like walls and oxygen, it can't be liquid. It cannot be. Mm. You can't have a doubt. Is the oxygen clean today? Mm. In the air that I'm going to step outside or am I going to die? Is the Are the walls of this room, are they going to be around tomorrow? Are they going to be around in, in 10 years? You can't worry about that. And I don't want the future generation to worry about their Islam. All right? I don't want them to worry about that. I want it to be known that these things are like trees that you can rely upon. I don't need your attention and your love. Like you don't, you don't pay attention to trees, walls, oxygen. You don't, you know, look, but you know they're there and you rely upon them, right? That's what we need to do. Yeah, and we're, and, you know, each of us is around 40 years old now or or almost 40, right? And so I think, you know, you you said, I hope you do this till you retire, but I really hope we can, you know, if, if God forbid we got hit by a bus in 10 years, five years, you know, we need continuity that can outlast any of us, even in the short term. You know, I, 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 I'm thinking a lot about, you know, uh, the we need growth. We need more staff. We need we need to funnel in more leadership, future leaders. Um, this work is just too important to be centered on a single personality. I mean, we're talking about the sira. We're talking about aqida. We're talking about the things that you just mentioned. Uh, it's too important to center around names. You're totally true. Totally right. And uh, one of the things about this is that when you look at what it takes to do something, the innovative part is one of the most important Mm -hmm. but at the same time it is also a killer of continuity because if you rely too much on innovation geniuses can't be found you can't train a genius right that's why apple isn't struggling right Mm. any technology if you think about all technology companies technology is innovation Mm -hmm. it's not 10 percent it's like 80 Mm percent innovation Mm -hmm. and then implementation execution and design and all that stuff and customer service and the business all that if you look at all the great innovators, why would a great innovator be employed with someone else, mm. right? And if you notice, you never have two amazing innovators in the same company generation after generation, right? If there was a genius, like who's the genius of today? Elon Musk, right? Right, right, right. Why would he work for someone else, <laughs> right. right? Think about that, right? So it's an industry where it's actually built for one founder. Mm. The founder builds it. Everyone else will make money off of it later on and they'll just 
I don't even know what they're doing out there, to be honest with you. Making a new, <laughs> new pickup truck. What are they doing in Apple? There's nothing new. There's no new industry. Steve Jobs would have taken a trip to India, mm-hmm. right? Sat in some little uh, thing for six months, okay, and come back with a whole new world. He would have come back and brought the world something that no one thought of. Disruptor, yeah. That's what an innovator does. But just like Steve Jobs found as a founder, he wouldn't work for someone else. Likewise, the great innovators, they don't work for others. They start. But this field, our field, doesn't need, is not the same. It doesn't need 80% innovation, right? In fact, Dean is quite the opposite. Mm. That consistency and conservatism, actually. So you need innovation in how you disseminate your message, in how you finance your message, mm-hmm. how you do all those things. But the message itself, is it's not changing. Correct, right. correct. So that's we have an advantage that we can you can train someone uh, in the years to come, right? And you could very slowly phase it out, just like we're not the first group of people to to do these things. Mashaykh in Qurtuba in Baghdad, how yeah. did they pass on? You know, they had disciples or they had apprentices, and then they slowly phased into the old sheikh veteran. Uh, you might call it ex officio, ex officio mm-hmm, phase, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the young guns who have been around, tried and tested, right? Been Sat at their feet for for decades, years, yeah. yeah. Served as an assistant sheikh, maybe assistant mufti, whatever, and has had the humility to do that for twenty, thirty years before he got, you know, the turban put on his head uh, and and became the decision maker, right? So that's where we're we should be looking at in the future uh, that that very slow very slow transition of someone who has been willing to not power hungry you know willing to help and to be in the pipeline of someone else's driver's seat mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. willing to accept that and then once you've you put in the time now you take it now whatever you innovate it's going to be fine because you're not crazy we know that you're not driven by ego you know all that stuff so hopefully that's where all these organizations go, and our grandkids can can have something uh, to look forward to and 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 to lean on. Any other final thoughts? Well, I just want to ask everyone's dua out there, and you know, just a selfish plug, or not maybe not selfish, but for the Prophet Sallallahu But you know, if, if you're interested in just following some of our work, um, you can visit us on celebratemercy.com. Sign up for our email list. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube. So, uh, and we'd love to have you know people's time and their help and volunteer work. Um, we're we're a small team right now, five people, three full timers, two part timers. But we're hoping to hire soon. And uh, next Tuesday on Giving Tuesday after Thanksgiving, inshallah, we have an exciting campaign that we'll be emailing uh, about. Uh, inshallah, you know we're actually partnering with uh, the Imam Ghazali Institute on a new translation of the Shama'il, which is coming out in, in just a few weeks. Um, and uh, just sign up for our email list and you'll you'll learn a lot more, inshallah. Good. So uh, real quick, this, give me the 30 second. If someone wanted to keep base, touch base with you, mm-hmm. it's the email list. That's the main thing? Yeah, go to our website, sign up, su- subscribe to our email list. You'll get, you'll get an email maybe once a week, once every two weeks on... Good conferences webinars uh trips we do umrah trips and stuff like that um uh campaigns social media things you know so so we have a lot of different things we have five different ways we try to teach about the prophet through webinars events trips social media and campaigns we'd say we teach about the prophet through our words and through our actions and the words are the programs 
the actions are sometimes these campaigns that tend to respond to evil with good uh, in a way that we hope that the Prophet ﷺ would be proud of. Okay, great. So it's webinars. Mm -hmm. What's the node for that once a month? What, when do you do them? Um, we do webinars at least once a year, sometimes more than once a year okay, on so some that's theme a... related to the seerah. Good. Yeah. Uh, the classes in the masajid? That happens every couple of months. Every couple of months. Yeah. Uh, you said the campaigns is whenever something... Yeah, sometimes down. sometimes it's a, in response to a crisis, and sometimes it's a it's a whole like the Salawat Day campaign is something more pre-planned. Yeah. Okay, and then what's the fourth thing? Um, fourth thing would be trips. Trips. So Umrah, Umrah trips. Jerusalem. We're doing something next March to Jerusalem, Jordan, Mecca, Medina. Good. Yeah. Uh, what's the fifth one you said? Fifth is just uh, posting uh, content on social media. So which is usually consists of what videos, a articles, a hadith. You know, just small reminders of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Good. Uh, where people are spending a lot of time. <laughs> okay, good. So the webinar doesn't have a set date every year. Uh, we usually do one right before Ramadan. Good. And we're trying to add some more soon, inshallah, at other times of the year. Okay, good. All right, great. So uh, people could follow that, get on the email list, uh, and you'll see what's going and, on. And I do want to thank you, Dr. Shadi, because um, when I think of prophetic masajid and prophetic organizations, I you know you come to mind right away. You know, you're, you're, I can count on my hands. We were just talking about struggles with masajid. I, I hope the New Brunswick and New Jersey community value what you bring to that community because you have the masjid that I wish I had growing up. SubhanAllah. You have the masjid that I wish I had growing up. And and I pray that Allah uh, accepts it from you I and mean, rewards you and keeps you on that path, I mean, inshallah. And it's totally a, a team a team effort. Even the founding by Imam Zaid, he must have had a great intention mm. when he did it. Because what a great founder. <laughs> great founder, great intention. And because things happened where I'm a piece uh, I'm a part of a team and you have members that just team members that just sort of came out of nowhere like mm. there was not planned right mm. uh, like Sammy Kadovic came and he mm. has and his whole family's involved like he has you know uh, a larger extended family that bring a lot to the table uh, you have other people you know uh, who have other management skills like some people owning restaurants who yeah. have great management but skills sadly right? you go to masjids now you go to go, I challenge anyone go to Aisha prayer at any masjid in America at 99% of the masjid and it's all white beards mm -hmm. you know and there's not even many women there but like where are the young people yeah. like where where are the youth that when they get their driver's licenses they're excited to participate mm. and go to community events and, and masjid where yeah. are those youth subhanallah. subhanallah I think they're in your masjid <laughs> but we need them in more masjid subhanallah yeah First thing is put a basketball court in the... <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It is yeah. amazing. But then the, yeah, it's a HIFS program for the kids. Not Very sure. important. Uh, a, a basketball court, you know, it softens the experience. Shoot a couple baskets every time you go. It's yeah, not, not yeah. a bad deal. They're right? excited to go. Yeah, it's excited to go. And that, and especially that preteen, they're nuts about basketball. <laughs> right? That's how it was when I was young. <laughs> like, sure. early, like 12, 13, 14. You are just insane. For some reason, people, I guess they're starting to get taller. They can reach the basket, <laughs> right? But they just go nuts for basketball. <laughs> so, but in any event, it is, it's, a, it's honestly, at the end of the day, it's arzaq and barakah that comes from Allah Ta'ala. Uh, just peop uh, people who had a good intention and hopefully you know that could be replicated elsewhere everyone could have a good intention so make a good intention and do it and maybe uh, celebrate mercy opens a message one day that'll be uh, you know. <laughs> sometimes I think that's the only way to get people to donate well <laughs> have a message <laughs> <laughs> all right Jazakallah thank you so much for uh, giving me your time 
And hopefully we could, do, having me. we could do this again. And uh, I'd love to see where you are in five years, 10 years. You know, I, you know, one day we'll have a podcast. We'd love to have you on it. Oh, love, love to, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana la fi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu amilu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Oh